Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Easter to you. As some of you like to say, happy Resurrection Day. Children, you can be dismissed now at this time if you'd like to. Let's take just a few seconds and watch these beautiful, adorable children as they exit the sanctuary and go into Children's Church this morning. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? I, I just love Easter so much. I have always enjoyed springtime and the good feelings that a day like Easter brings to us. I'm so happy that we have at least two ladies this morning that have worn hats. And that may not mean anything to you, but my mother used to wear a hat every Easter regardless. She would wear a hat when no one else did. But you have reminded me of my mother this morning, and I thank you for that. And uh, it just brings back good memories. And we're so glad that you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We want you to feel right at home. We're just a bunch of imperfect people who serve a risen and perfect Savior today. And we just love worshiping Him and coming together. You know, I was just, I looked over the congregation this morning and I remembered that the last couple of years have been tough when it came to gatherings like this, but it, it is coming together, amen, and uh, things are looking up. And I look across the congregation this morning, and I don't see a whole lot of tan chairs this morning, so that's always a good sign, amen. So happy Easter to you. I know we have a lot to do, and I want to get right to the message this morning. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of years, you know, or that weeks, we've been talking about the good news about Christ. How many of you know that everything about Jesus is good? I mean, I know that there are some things that you'd think about and say, well, I don't, I'm not sure that's so good. You know, Good Friday, we call it, is the day that he died. What's so good about that? Well, the good news about that is, is that he died for us so that we would not have to pay the penalty for our sins. So when you think about Jesus, he's all good. Now, the first week, three weeks ago, we talked about how that he came and he lived among us. He lived a sinless life. The scripture tells us that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tested just like you and I are and then the final words are yet without sin aren't you glad that Jesus set an example for us today let us know that we can live above sin sin has nothing on us because the price has been paid for Jesus he has proven that it's possible you say yeah but he's Jesus but the Bible says that for every temptation that comes our way, there is provided for us a way of escape. I don't know if you've ever been to an escape room. There's always a way to get out of there, but sometimes you have to work hard at it to get out. I want you to know today that Jesus has provided a way for each of us to get out of the penalties of our sin. And that is to accept him and to live as he lived. And then last week, we talked about his death. We talked about the price that was paid, that he paid for us when he hung on that cross at Calvary. It's not because they took his life from him, 
The scripture tells us that he willingly laid down his life for people like you and people like me. He was the perfect sacrifice, amen? He is not a lamb that had to be slain forever and ever and once and again. And, but the Bible says that he was sacrificed one time for our sins. And that one sacrifice paid the price for each and every one of us to be sin-free today. I like that. I'm so thankful that I can go to bed every night with peace in my soul and know that I am all right with God the Father because Jesus made a way that I could get to him. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The scripture says that there's no other way to get to God except through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that through him we can be, have a restored relationship with God the Father? Amen. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in condemnation. Because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I'm telling you, we're some blessed people, aren't we? Because he came and he lived, he gave us an example, a sinless life. And then he came and he died so that we wouldn't have to. So we don't have to pay the price for sin. The problem that so many people have is that they stop right there. They just see Jesus as just another philosophical leader, just another, uh, another person to create a religious system. Did you know that there's over 4,200 religious belief systems in the world that you can choose from? And over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about why Jesus is the only way to salvation. You can pick so many today, but there's still only one way, and his name is Jesus. But we're not going to leave Jesus dead and in a borrowed tomb because he did not stay there. He is alive and well. Amen. And so today we want to talk about the good news of Christ and the fact that he is our resurrected Lord. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd like for you to grab those and turn with me to Acts chapter 13 verses 29 through 39 and we want to read this passage of scripture this morning beginning at verse 29 it's also on the screens for those you who need to refer to that when they had carried out all that was written about him they took him down from the cross and they laid him in a tomb but God raised him from the dead and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. <clears throat> but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know 
that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Will you take a moment and let's pray together with me. Father, thank you for this joyous day. This day that we celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you sent your only begotten son into this world, that whosoever would believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. You did not send him to condemn us, but that the world through him might be saved. So thank you for sending him. Thank you for giving him the power to live among us to die for our sins, but more importantly even today is that he is alive and well, seated at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to intercede for our lives. So thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively today and to represent you well to this congregation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Turn to somebody and say, Happy Easter! Happy Resurrection Day. <clears throat> and you might be wondering why I selected a passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 13 written by the Apostle Paul. Because he was not in Jesus' circle. He didn't come into Christ and learn about Christ and experience the revelation of Christ until much later on. Well, the reason is that even though he was not there, he had a personal experience with Jesus Christ. And as he, it changed his life entirely. You, if you know anything at all about Paul, he hated Jesus. He hated the church. He did everything in his power to destroy anyone who believed in Jesus Christ. But then one day... Jesus decided that he was going to introduce himself to Paul personally. And he did exactly that. And it changed his life forever. The old Paul was entirely different from the new Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. And if you don't hear anything else today, hear that. No matter who you are and what you've been and what you've done, the Bible says that when we accept Christ as our Savior that we are a new creation, that old things pass away and behold, all things become new. Aren't you glad today that if you're a Christian, you're not the same individual that you were before you met Jesus Christ? He has changed us entirely, and I'm so grateful for that. Paul writes about the resurrection of Jesus, and four times he talks about Jesus being raised from the dead. And he decides that instead of harming Christians, he's going to help them to understand that Jesus was everything that Jesus declared himself to be and so much more. And he wanted to prove to them that Jesus is alive and well. And so he gave some unfallible proofs. The first one is that he told them and us about an empty tomb. You see, you could go to the tomb where they laid Jesus, but you won't find his body there because he was resurrected by God himself. 
Chapter 13, verses 29 and 30 says this, When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross, they laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Now, I don't know, I probably shouldn't have to say any much more about that than simply that, but let's talk about that for a few moments. Jesus' body has never been produced. No one has been able to come and bring a decayed body whose DNA would point back to this man named Jesus. Because the scripture, and we'll talk about this in a minute, tells us that he did not stay dead and he did not decay. So you cannot find his body Paul was telling us about an empty tomb. And so we know today that his tomb was empty. And we think about all that could have happened. And one of the things that could have happened is is that the Pharisees of the day, you know who the Pharisees were. They were the religious lot, the people that, you know, they wanted to act holy. They wanted to act Christian, if you will. They wanted to act like they were godly individuals. But they were bad news. I don't know if you know anybody like that. But that's who the Pharisees were. But think about it. The Pharisees wanted to stop this message of Jesus Christ because the message of Christ was bringing freedom to the people and it changed the message that the Pharisees were trying to tell so that they could promote their own systems and promote their own situations. They could have taken the body of Jesus and all they would have had to have done to stop all this conversation about a risen Savior is to produce a dead and decaying body. You see, three days later, it would have been obvious that the body would have been Jesus because they would have still recognized it, but they would have known that it was dead and decaying Because do you remember the story of Lazarus in the New Testament when he passed away and and his sisters called Jesus to come and Jesus was a little late? And And when Jesus went to the tomb where Lazarus was laid, they told him, said, you better get yourself ready because he already stinketh. That's the new, that's the King James version of what it means is, is he smelled bad. Because his body, even in a short period of time, had begun the process of decaying. And they wanted to warn Jesus that when you get there, you better know that it's going to smell bad. You see, Jesus, if they could have produced the body, it would have been obvious because his physical features would have still been recognizable. But because of the time and the day... Uh, in, in those years, his body would have smelled bad. So just think about it. If the Pharisees wanted to say that Jesus is still dead and someone has just stolen the body, if they had stolen the body and brought it and produced it, they could have taken this beaten, bloody body and taken it to the town square And placed it in the town square and said, Jesus is dead. All you have to do is look at this body and recognize and realize 
that Jesus is dead and he has already started decaying. And that story would have been ended just like that. You know why they didn't do that? Because they didn't have a body. They couldn't make that claim because there was no body. Why didn't they have a body? Because his body had been raised from the dead and Jesus was moving and walking among his people in the spirit and changing the world even after that incident at the cross. So the Pharisees couldn't do it. But what about his disciples? Wouldn't it have been good to say, hey, we need to get this body and we need to preserve it. We need to get this body and we need to make sure that we keep it safe so that if anybody asks, we can say, this was Jesus. This was the one who was beaten. And this is the one who was crucified. And you can look at the body and you can see the evidence of his beating and his death. You can look at it and see. But if they'd have done that, it would have defeated the message that Jesus had been preaching. <clears throat> Do you remember the one time that Jesus said, see the temple? He said, you can tear this temple down, but in three days, I'm going to raise it back up. They thought that he was talking about a building. They thought he was talking about a, a, a temple of worship, but he wasn't talking about that at all. What he was trying to let them know is, is that if you, if you hang me on that cross, I want you to know that three days after you do so, I'm coming up out of the grave and I'm going to be alive again. I'm going to be raised up again to new life. And so that's exactly the message that he was preaching. So if the disciples had taken the body and, and entombed it and, and, and put it in one of these glass tombs, if you will, so that people could come by and look and see the body of this man named Jesus, it would have defeated the message that Jesus <clears throat> was teaching. And that is, I'm going to die, I'm going to pay the price, but once I've done that, I'm going to rise again and I'm going to live forever. And so there was an empty tomb that Paul spoke about that proved that Jesus was alive. You say, now, what about those disciples? <clears throat> well, let me tell you something about those disciples that makes me believe that they believed that Jesus rose again. And that is the disciples believed it so much that it cost them their very lives. They were martyred for their belief that Jesus had died and then rose again. The only one that wasn't was John. And John was on the island of Patmos where he was there as an old gentleman. So what I'm telling you is, is that there is an empty tomb. There is no body in that tomb. You can count on it. You can travel the world and try to find the place where Jesus was buried. But you'll never find it because it did not remain that way. He rose again. The second thing that Paul talks about is that there were eyewitness testimonies that we could base our belief on. Look at verse 31. It says, And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee 
to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to our people. Now, any attorney will tell you that if they're preparing a case, what they need is they need an eyewitness. They need someone who saw it happen. I mean, it's like when your wife makes a beautiful cake and puts it on the counter and says, don't touch that cake because that's for company. And yet when she's not looking, you go over there and take a little slice of it and eat it. And then she comes and accuses you of doing it. And what's the first defense that you go to? Can you prove it? Did you see me eat that cake? I mean, uh, her answer is obvious. Rob, I know you, number one. And number two, there's nobody else here but you and the dog. And I know the dog didn't do it. You did it. Can you prove it? You cannot say for 100% certain that I'm the one who ate the cake. Now, just so you'll know, your pastor's not going to lie over a piece of cake. I will eventually own up to it because I'm not going to spend eternity in hell and ask me, somebody asked me, how did you get here? And I'd say, I took a slice of cake that I did not, was not supposed to have. Eyewitnesses. The Bible says that for several days after he rose from the dead that he walked with people that knew him, that could see him and realize and understand that he was Jesus, that he was the man that they had walked with and talked with and did life with. He was the one, and they could witness to that. I don't know about you, but Jesus has touched my life in such a way that I just can't shut up about it. I just can't keep quiet. I just can't not talk about Jesus. I look for opportunities to weave him into the conversations with whoever it is that I'm talking about. Now, I don't come right out and say, I'm here today to tell you about Jesus, and if you don't know him, you know, and all that. But I've learned that neighbors, and you build relationships with them, people at work, whoever, and you begin to weave your lifestyle into the conversation, and then you begin to talk to them about why you live the way you live, and how you are so blessed, and how God is good to you that it won't be long before they'll start asking you questions that will allow you to say, I'm glad you asked me about that. Let me explain to you about the Jesus that I serve. And God will open doors for you that you didn't even know needed to be opened. uh, And you'll be able to witness of the saving power of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you and how he has changed your life. Eyewitness accounts. Now, this is interesting, and it came to me this week that the brothers of Jesus did not even believe in him. His own brothers thought he was crazy. His own brothers thought that he had lost his mind. Look at John chapter 7, verse 5. It says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. And then Mark chapter 3, verse 21, says it like this. And when his family heard of this, something that Jesus had done, 
They went to take charge of him. In other words, they were going to have an intervention because he thought, they thought he was going crazy. They were going to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. Did you ever say that about anybody that was just out of their mind in love with Jesus? Did you? I, I remember uh, there was a man in a church I pastored years ago. His name was Carl. And one night we were having one of those great old-time Pentecostal Holy Ghost-filled services. And, and some of you don't know anything about that. And you might think we're a little bit crazy. But again, it's all because of who Jesus is and what he's done in his life. But Carl came up to the altar that night to worship for a little while. And he got drunk in the spirit. And when he got drunk in the spirit, he started cackling like an old hen. He was just laughing and having a big time. And we just tried to, you know, kind of reel him in and keep him in the right place and all that. When church was over, he was still just a cackling and he was still just as drunk as could be. We had to take him out to his car because he couldn't find his way to the car. And his wife had to drive him home because he was so in the spirit. What am I saying? I'm talking about how that Jesus can change your life. I'm talking about no matter how hard the last two years have been for your life and how difficult your life might be right now and all the things that you might be going through, let me tell you that Jesus is able to turn it all around and take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it for good in your life. I would not live the way that I used to live for anything in the world because I know now how I can live in this moment because of Jesus Christ and what he has done. But then I want you to notice Acts chapter 1. These same brothers that did not believe in him, his same family that thought he was crazy and was getting ready to have an intervention in his life and bring him into control because they said he's out of his mind. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, they were in the upper room, 120 people there, and here's what it says. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Something happened that changed those brothers' mind about him. Something turned them around. I don't know, you know, you may be here today because it's just Easter. Or you may be here because your mom and dad just twisted your arm and said, if you want to make me happy, if you'll just come to church, I mean, that would be the best thing that you could do for me. That, that may be true. I, I get that. I understand that. I've been pastoring for a lot of years. I really have. But let me just tell you something today. If you have the kind of relationship with Jesus Christ that these brothers had, they went through a time where they thought he was nuts. They thought he was crazy. They thought he needed intervention himself. But he wasn't the one that needed intervention. They were the ones who needed intervention. And he was able to bring them into a relationship with himself that would cause them to go to the upper room and want everything that Jesus had to offer him them including being filled with the Spirit of God. Now, I, I admit to you that our church is a little crazy. I admit to you that we just like, we like to sing, we like to get loud, we like to raise our hands up, we like to clap our hands, we, like, we love to every now and then somebody might yell out and say hallelujah. 
I, I know those, those of you who attend here and you know we're Pentecostal and I ask you to invite someone to come to church with you, I, I know that you pray and ask God, please, God, don't let there be a move of the Holy Ghost today. Don't, don't, don't let the people that I know, don't let them act strange. Don't, don't let them shout out hallelujah or praise God. Don't, don't let anybody stand up and do one of these or anything like that. God, but don't let that happen. Because if it does, it'll scare my friends half to death. Let me tell you something. I just love being in an environment where there is true freedom to worship the Lord. Those who worship the Lord must do so in spirit and in truth. I don't want to go to a church where you have to do this the whole time. I don't want to go to a church where you find yourself doing this all the time. I don't want to go to a church like that. I want to go to a church that knows that Jesus Christ is alive and well. He's seated on the throne of glory and he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that is alive and at work within us. That's the kind of church I want to go to because that's the kind of church that knows how to give a testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. One final thought I want to leave you with today, and that is that if we believe there's an empty tomb, and if we've experienced Jesus in such a way that we have an eyewitness testimony of his grace and his goodness, we have a right to expect and experience an eternal transformation. That's what happened with Jesus. Look at thir verses 37 through 39. It says, but the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes. Let me just pause for a moment so you can think about that phrase. Everyone who believes. You might be thinking, is that me? Do you believe? I don't know. I don't know about this, that, and the other. Do you believe? Because if you believe, there's something he has for you. He is willing to set you free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Listen, you can play by all the rules that the church sets out for you. And it might not do a whole lot for you, but there's one thing that will. And that is finding the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way. The very moment the scripture says that you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that he is who he says he is. He did what he said he did. The moment that happens, you begin a journey with him that will absolutely change your life forever his body did not decay the bible says his body did not decay in death he didn't smell bad he didn't start getting get soft in places <clears throat> he, he didn't you know it wasn't one of those situations his body did not decay think about it he had just been beaten 
He had just been striped on his back for the healing of the nations. He just received a brutal beatdown when they put him on that cross. But when he got up out of that grave, his body was not in decay. He was not walking around like some of us do. Say, I need some of that Tylenol extra strength in order to get me across the stage here. I got a migraine headache. I need to get me a cup of coffee and a couple of pills. I don't, you know, I need to get by. Somebody needs to help me. Somebody needs to write, put some of that Asper cream on my back. Baby, will you put some Asper cream on me? I'm about, no, Jesus wasn't doing any of that. Jesus came up out of that grave and he was straight and he was strong and he was ready. There was no decay in him whatsoever. You say, what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with you. The Bible says that the same Spirit of God that raised up Jesus Christ from the grave is the same Spirit of God that lives and dwells within you. And so there's no reason for us to feel like that we're on a pathway to decay and that we're just dragging ourselves through this world just to get out on the other end. No, we are saved. We are alive. We are healed. We are whole. We are free from the sins of this world because what Jesus accomplished at Calvary, he accomplished for us. He didn't do it so that Mel Gibson could, could record a movie of it. He did it for you, and he did it for me. Now, I want the choir to come back if they would this morning. And I have asked them, I've made a request that they sing a song and call entitled, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus. I've tried to tell you about him today. I've tried to let you know for sure that he's alive and well. You don't have to worry about Jesus. Don't feel bad for him because he did what needed to be done and he's alive and well. But I want them to tell you about Jesus too. And I want the prayer team to come, if you will. And uh, there's a basket right down here on the front. And here's what we're going to do. You may have noticed that our altar looks a little trashy this morning. You, you may have noticed when you came in, if you're visiting here, that we have paper on our altars. Well, let me explain to you what this paper represents. Several weeks ago... The Lord laid it upon my heart to begin praying for our loved ones, all of our friends, all of our family members, the ones who have never met Jesus Christ, and some of our family members who know about him but have walked away from him. We call them prodigals. We're praying that the Lord will bring them back, bring them back into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've been praying for them for weeks. And today, symbolically, we're going to take these post-it notes off of the altar. We're going to pray for them as we do that. And we're going to put them in this basket right over here. Do you see it, Earlene, on the front row? And when we put those post-it notes in that basket, symbolically, we're saying, Lord, we are giving them to you now. We're not going to stop praying. We're not going to stop caring about our loved ones we're not going to quit that symbolically what we're doing today is just saying lord our loved ones need you and we know that and so we're going to take them from this altar 
and we're going to put them in your hands and we're going to believe that you will bring them home because he's able to do it amen and so as they sing this morning and they start taking up these post-it notes you just remain right there in your seat if you'd like to i'll be back in just a moment i have just a couple more things i want to say to you but let's do that when you sing are you past the point of weary is your burden weighing heavy is it all too much to carry let me tell you about my jesus do you feel that empty feeling for shame's done all it's stealing and you're desperate for some healing let me tell you about Tears, broken dreams and wasted years. Tell the path 
that she was wasteful to take that valuable oil and waste it on the feet of Jesus. But Jesus was wise enough to be able to say, she is preparing me for what I'm about to go through. You see, there are people in this house today that your stories are difficult. Your stories are hard. You were raised in a difficult situation. Just life's been tough. And I can't promise you that if you come to Jesus, that life won't continue to be hard because it still can be hard and you be a Christian. You say, well, then why should I? Here's the difference. Because if you come to Jesus, He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never walk away from you. He will take every step beside you. And he will give you the strength that you need to succeed. So I'd like everyone in the house now, would you stand with me at this time? And we're, we're going to begin to bring this to a close. 
let me just ask you, if you're here in the house this morning and you've never really taken the step to accept Christ as your Savior, you've never prayed a prayer that, that would bring you to God through Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you'd like to take this opportunity, you say, I knew that if I came to church on Easter, you'd ask me to give my life to Jesus. Well, sure. I mean, what, what else would you expect me to do? Ask you if you want season tickets to UL or UK? That's not why we came today. We came because we knew we'd encounter Jesus Christ. And you came knowing that this is the message that we would preach today. So I want to ask you this morning. What are you going to do about it? Will you accept it or you will reject it? Well, the choice is up to you. Jesus doesn't make anyone serve him. But let me just tell you, the best decision that you'll ever make in your life is to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. I'd like everybody to bow your heads right now because I'd like to just ask this simple question this morning. If you're here this morning, and you would like to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with Him, just right where you stand, would you just, would you just lift your hand and let me see it this morning so I can pray for you? Is there anyone here today? Amen. I see that hand. Amen. That's wonderful. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have drawn. The scripture says that you draw us. You bring us to God by what you've done. And Lord, I pray for the hand that went up this morning that you would allow strength and grace to be theirs and mercy and that you will help them grow in the knowledge that they're seeking and looking for. Lord, I pray that you will help them to become everything that you have called them to be. And I know you will. And I ask it in your name. Amen. So I'm going to assume then that everybody in the house is praying, is saved and in a relationship with Christ. I'm just going to have to assume that. <clears throat> I, I take it even a step further. I'm going to have to assume that there may be some here in the house today that you didn't raise your hand, although you were, you were thinking about it. I'm going to be praying for you, that the Lord will draw you to himself so that you can have the same kind of life that I've been living now for all these years. What a joy it is to serve the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. So now let me, let me ask you this. How many of you are saved? Can I see your hands? You know you're on your way to heaven. There's nothing in this world that can take you away from that. You've already made up your mind. You're going whenever the Lord comes back or if you go out, of, you're, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'm going too. Somebody said, well, I, you know, I might like to stay around. If he's getting a busload up today, I'd rather stick around for a little bit. Let me tell you something. I'll go whenever he wants me to go because I'd a whole lot rather be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity than to be here.
Not that I don't love you, but I love him so much more. So prayer team, will you bring these post-it notes to the middle right here? And I'm going to ask you to do this. We've been doing this for several weeks now. And if you're uncomfortable with this, you don't have to do it. But I'm asking our people, if you will, to step out of your seats and come down here and gather around this basket that contains these post-it notes that we've been praying over for the last several weeks. Just get in as close as you can. Arlene, if you will, just stand right there in the middle and hold it in your hands and hold it out like that. Come on, come on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Thank you. He gave his life. What more could he to the Christian church in Bullock County last night, right? Because their grandson, grandson, right? Was going to get baptized. They wanted him to come and watch the grandson get baptized. So they went. When it came time for them to call them up front to be baptized, his son, his son's wife and granddaughter, is that right? Am, am I right? Am I close? Am I in the ballpark? All right. Said, you guys just stay right here. We'll be back in a few minutes. Four members of their family got up from their seats last night at Christian Church Southeast Bullet County, walked up front and got baptized, and they didn't know that it was going to happen. I told them this will be an Easter to remember. You know what I'm believing? I'm believing there are names in this basket that we've been praying for. People that we don't, we don't even know really if they're interested at all. You know what I believe? I believe God's going to interest them. And they're going to shock us and surprise us one of these days when they call and say, guess what? Mom, Dad, Honey, kids, whatever. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It's the best thing I ever did. That's what I believe. So point your hand this direction and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you right now. We're so grateful for all that you've done in our lives. We're so grateful that you gave your life, Jesus, so that we could have life. We know that the devil is out to kill us and steal from us and destroy us. But you said you came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And so now as we commit these individuals that are represented by these post-it notes into your hand today, we're doing it symbolically, but we also know that something is going to break in the spirit realm because we've been asking for it and praying for it and we're believing it. And Lord, I, I just pray that you will bring them to yourself, that you will 
create an open door pathway so that they can find their ways to you. And Lord, for all of those who know what it is to have served you, but for whatever reasons, have just kind of quit. They just kind of walked away from their relationship. Will you bring those prodigals back home? Will you bring them back? Father, I'm so convinced that you really did give Jesus so that we could be saved, so that our sins could be forgiven, and we'd be separated from them, but united with you and your spirit. So Lord, now, as we lift them up to you, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you know that little song they were playing, but if you do, sing it with me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for loving me even when I was unlovable. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us here at Spirit Life on this Easter Sunday. I'm told that the children are going to participate in a, an Easter egg hunt. For those of you who have children, you can make your way out there to help with that. God bless you. I pray that you have a wonderful, wonderful week.